asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. I'm Matt. And today, we're answering your listener questions. You know what, buddy? It's an Ask How to Money episode. And Happy New Year to everyone out there who... I'm guessing a lot of folks were turning back to work. They took some time off last week. Yeah. It's a Monday. Time to get back at it. But time, it's a, time to get back to the grind. It's a holiday Monday. Most <laughs> people have today off. A lot of people do, right? That's true. So, so yeah, it's a, it doesn't feel like the normal tragic Monday that we're used to. Still kind of feels... It's the new year, so because of that, we thought there might be some folks out there who are looking for a new episode, so we've got a fresh one here for you. We've got listener questions to get to, and a listener is wondering how it is he can get out of a lease. Got another listener question about velocity banking, what that's all about, what we think about it. And we're also going to address when a total stock market index fund might be a touch too risky. Mm. So we've got that plus more to get to during our, our episode today, buddy. Yeah. But of course, it is New Year's Day. And so I figure it's... True statement. Yeah. La- it's funny. Last <laughs> Beginning of last year, we, we had on Katie Milkman, and we talked about fresh starts. And this mm-hmm. is this is a day, Matt, where people, where people are thinking about all of the progress they can make this year. And maybe they say, ah, 2023 wasn't all I hoped it would be. 2024 is going to be better. And it just, uh, it also makes me think about the conversation we just had with Elena like a week and a half ago um, about organization and how the processes are going to help you make the progress you want to see this year. So yeah. it's great to have, you know, big lofty ideals for what you hope to achieve this year. But just make sure at the same time that you're putting in the processes, whether it's paying off debt, whether it's saving up a massive emergency fund, whether it's, you know, maxing out your, your Roth IRA or 401k, make sure you have the, not just the motivation because motivation wanes but make sure you've actually implemented the systems to help support that motivation sure yeah one of the things katie talked about was the ability to tie change in your life to a special date and that is why january 1st you know the new year is often seen as the time for resolutions i think in her research for her book they identified that folks who were able to implement change on an even more special date to that individual 
which happened to be their birthday, yeah. they were even more effective at maintaining some of that change because change is hard, right? Like there's there are things that like there is friction in our lives that keep us from making some of those changes. And so that being said, certainly I don't think it's too late. Like if you do want to do something great when it comes to your finances, start now. <laughs> I think it's a great time to uh, to to really get after it. But yeah, like Joel said though, make sure that you've got a plan to knock those massive goals into even smaller goals yeah. uh, that are conquerable as opposed to feeling completely overwhelmed because you didn't have a plan. Yeah, and, and there really is. When we when we step back and think about it, there's nothing special about Monday, January 1st, except for the fact that in our minds, we built it up to be something greater. So I think that's kind of what Katie's point is, is we can do that same, same sort of mental gymnastics and create that sort of same affinity for another date like our birthday or anniversary or the first day of spring. I mean, there's all sorts of different ways that we can, like... Uh, force ourselves into thinking about it's, it's time all, differently it's all in your mind yeah exactly yeah but yeah. like but make the most of it is what, is, is what yes. we're saying and we will that was that was last year that we talked at the beginning yeah. of last year so we, uh, we'll make sure to link to that episode if you're thinking if you're wanting some of that additional motivation to get you to implement some change and by the way sticks if you want even more additional motivation we've created some money challenges we we released these a couple years ago matt but we haven't really done them in a minute the money we've challenge got, worksheets yeah we've got pdfs that you can yeah. download for free we're gonna send them out in the how to money newsletter which if you're not subscribed to that that should be a new year's resolution and that's a really easy one to hit and knock <laughs> off your list immediately but we'll uh, so we'll, we'll so we'll send those out in the newsletter but we'll also put them in the show notes for this episode so make sure to download those money challenge worksheets whether it's paying off debt whether it's saving money whether it's uh fully funding that roth whether it's decluttering and making some money all of the above we have worksheets for so hopefully those can help you out in your money journey starting it off right in 2024. That's right. Real quickly, let's introduce our beer during this episode. You and I are going to enjoy a Remain Restless. This is a beer by Hidden River Brewing. They're out of Pennsylvania. And uh, this is another one that was donated to the show by Rihanna. So, Rihanna, thank you so much for sending this beer yeah. our way. Look forward to trying it and sharing our thoughts at the end of the episode. Because, Matt, I don't know about you, my New Year's resolution drink more good beer like, oh yeah yeah uh not my resolution that's always my resolution <laughs> so it, it's just one that remains no matter like, the season it's a uh, at this point it's just a habit like it's a healthy <laughs> habit the amount that i drink i'm not yeah. i don't want to drink any more than i did last year also don't necessarily want to drink any less maybe I maybe like what i found I mean, a nice equilibrium i don't, ne- don't want to drink more ounces of beer i just want to drink only great beers right well, so, only the good stuff only the good stuff oh shut up last time you were at my house we uh you we, cracked a bud light <laughs> That's at your house. I don't have that crap in mind. But I was just like, hey, buddy, we're eating some- And you're, you almost lost all credibility. We're, we're eating some cheap Costco pizza. It was like a pizza movie <laughs> night where we get we get the families together. And it didn't seem like the kind of meal where we're going to pull out a fancy beer. And so I had some Bud Lights left over from when my father-in-law was in town. Yeah. I was like, hey, bud. You I know one, you didn't buy those. You want one of these? But you definitely <laughs> lost, I, I lost a little respect well, for Oh, please, you. you looked at me and you <laughs> smiled and you're like, oh yeah, that's exactly what we need. I, okay. It's if, funny drinking that. If you're going to drink mass-produced beer, it, it is best to be drunk with pizza, but but I'm going to say banquet beer is better than Bud Light. So. <laughs> I, th- I thought it was perfectly adequate I'll for be, what we needed. <laughs> they're all, it was adequate. All right, let's move on though, Matt. Let's get to the money questions. If you have a, a money question that you'd love Matt and I to tackle, maybe next week on How to Money, we'd love to hear it. Just go to howtomoney.com slash ask for the simple instructions or just record a voice memo of you. Introduce yourself, ask your question and send it our way. Hopefully we'll take it soon. Matt, let's get to our first one. This one's about a funky way of thinking about money. It's been making the rounds on YouTube for a few years and listener Joe wants to know whether or not we dig it. Hey, what's up, Matt and Joel? This is Joe from Atlanta, Georgia. So I was curious if you guys have ever heard of the concept of velocity banking. 
And what this strategy promises to do is to increase the velocity of debt payoffs, such as your mortgage, by using other debts like a HELOC, for example. So you're using debt to pay off debt, which seems like a cardinal sin. But because the beginning of the mortgage period is mostly going towards interest, what you're doing is putting a lot more towards the principal at the beginning. So apparently the math checks out, they say. But it seems very complicated and very risky. What are your thoughts? All right, Joe. Yes, it is a very complicated thing, and it doesn't always make sense either. I guess when when you're talking about... I picture like a cartoon character where they like grab themselves by their literal bootstraps and they like throw themselves <laughs> somewhere else. It's like, do the physics actually, do, do they make sense here? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm not, I, I got to say, Matt, high school physics was not my strong suit, but you, there, there are certain truths, though. That right. You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't get around. So let's address first off, like whether it makes sense to pay off debt using debt. And we would say sometimes, but it could also be like uh, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, right? So like a balance transfer credit card, that can make sense, but only if you have a plan to pay off that credit card debt within the allotted time frame. And then you've got, in addition to that, you've got the discipline to avoid just increasing your overall debt load. Yeah, that's um, the biggest downside, right? Uh, balance transfer credit If you don't change your behavior, exactly, doesn't change anything in the end. Makes sense on paper, but do they make sense <laughs> with like the way humans work? In practice, doesn't make sense. Uh, and the truth is that the focus often drifts to optimizing interest rates rather than paying off debt as quickly as possible and then staying out of debt. Yeah, All right, and let's talk about uh, velocity banking in particular, Matt. I'm hearing less about it these days, and I think that's for a few different reasons. First, maybe because paying off a mortgage quickly makes even less sense than it did a few years ago. We have talked about this. Uh, like Your mortgage, paying it off in in rapid fashion, should be a massively low priority in your life. And it's not because we love debt and you should uh, hug and kiss your mortgage debt, but it's it's that there are just m- many, many, many other priorities, financially speaking. And so it's it's when we talk about the money gears, if you go to howtomoney.com, you click start here, you can see the money gears. Money gear seven is when you might consider paying off mortgage debt. You don't really think about it. It doesn't. It, it shouldn't really be crossing your mind to pay off your mortgage sooner until you've accomplished a whole lot of other things first. And, and uh, part of the other reason I think we're not hearing about velocity banking much these days, HELOC rates. They've climbed significantly, right? But let's say you're making 5% on your cash. Why would you prioritize paying off a 3% mortgage? It just doesn't make sense, right? And the, the promise is that you can pay off your mortgage in as little as five to seven years with this strategy. But at least one definition of failure would be succeeding at the wrong goal. And so mm-hmm. if you opt for the velocity banking route and you pay off your mortgage super fast, you're likely avoiding, you're missing out on other important financial goals while you're putting yourself in financial harm's way. And so they're just... Uh, so many other goals that supersede mortgage payoff. That it, it's not a dumb goal, right? It's not like ridiculous to think, oh, at some point I'd love to have a paid off mortgage, but it should be far down the list of money goals, uh, saving, investing, paying off other debts. All of those things take more, uh, much higher priority. Yeah, it should not be a top priority financial goal. Uh, and you mentioned HELOCs. We, we've also heard a lot of consternation from folks who took out a HELOC a couple years back, and then they've seen their interest rate increased dramatically. And so using HELOC funds to prepay your mortgage when now those HELOCs are like 8 to 9%, it makes it an, an even worse idea. And I think one of the other issues here too is they all they typically focus on paying down that mortgage. And one of the problems with this is that it overly focuses on just the mortgage. It's it takes a very narrow view of paying down that specific debt and they're often they're not taking into account the additional debt that you are paying 
when you take a more holistic look at your overall finances, yeah, the amount of money that's going to interest for other forms, it doesn't of make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make sense at all. And so, and sometimes they even tout credit cards as the way to do this, but like that makes even less sense <laughs> given <laughs> the, the rates on credit cards. Yeah. Uh, but given what has happened with inflation, given what's happened with savings rates over the past couple of years, most folks should not be paying more than the required monthly mortgage amount. Instead, they should be focusing on ramping up their investing game. Uh, so instead of trying to pay down your incredibly low interest rate home debt, focus instead on growing those dollars in tax advantage accounts for your future. Yeah. All right. So for some reason, Matt, this is making me think of another financial product that some people tout as being a wonderful financial product for people to consider, and that's whole life insurance. And one of the reasons people tout whole life insurance over term life is because, hey, guess what? You can borrow from that policy down the road, right? And you uh, don't have to pay any interest on the money that you borrow. But the truth is, that's a ridiculous selling proposition because whole life insurance is going to cost you somewhere between 10, 12, maybe even 15 times in monthly premiums what that term life insurance policy is going to cost you. So, yeah, that's a perk, but the downside is how much more you're going to be paying and the fact that you're probably going to abandon that policy before you end up actually getting the biggest benefit, which would be the, the death benefit. And so it's really just a great example of overcomplicating something that should be pretty simple. Keeping your your debt and your life insurance separate, keeping your investing in your life insurance separate makes a ton of sense in our book. It's going to be the cheapest way to go, to do things. It's the most straightforward way to do things. It's incredibly easy to understand. And one of the other things you and I talk about on this podcast regularly is if you can't explain it to an eight-year-old, you have no business jumping in. And so velocity banking is this convoluted thing that I feel like even at times I'm like, am I taking crazy pills? I don't really know what you're saying. <laughs> um, and so it does seem kind of ridiculous if I can't quite understand it myself after watching all these these pitch men and women on YouTube selling you know, selling this product, then I'm like, okay, cool. I'm throwing my hands up. I'm backing off. I'm doing things the straightforward way that I know and understand. Yeah. And in both cases, the uh, the simple solution to these problems is just having cash on hand, right? Because that's one of the assumptions with Velocity Banking is that it assumes that no matter what, you are borrowing money and paying interest in order to finance your life. And the easiest, most simple solution to that is having cash on hand. And guess what? You completely eliminated uh, the interest payments from your life. And yeah. in fact, when you've got that margin on hand with an emergency fund and high yield savings, you're earning a, a significant amount as mm -hmm. well. And so taking the more simple, straightforward path is what we would recommend. And, and also just taking a more holistic view of your overall finances, not just trying to say, no matter what, we've got to pay off the uh, the mortgage, which, you know, a few years ago, I think it, it was more of a goal for folks. But now that we've seen where rates have gone, it's like, oh, wait a minute, all, <laughs> all those low interest rate uh, mortgage rates, uh, mortgages that folks have, they're just looking a lot more attractive and folks should not be in a hurry to get rid of those things. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that you should consume the dollars that you would have paid towards the principal on that mortgage. It means you should save and invest those dollars instead, be allowing yourself to make further progress and, and thinking of that mortgage as like just uh, not terribly f uh, harmful financial product to have in your life. But Matt, we've got more to get to on this New Year's Day episode, including we're going to talk about index funds. And is there a certain point where you just kind of move beyond those basics or not? Well, we'll get to that right after this. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. 
It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out cachava. Just go to cachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pumped for that but sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. back from the break and let's get a little nerdier with it. let's talk about asset allocation in your retirement account this is andy from utah thank you so much for all you've shared through the podcast joel and matt with mint going away soon i decided i'd reactivate my personal capital login and found out that they are now in power they offer calls with a fiduciary advisor to review your numbers i set up a call and long story short he says my net worth is too high to leave all my money in total stock market index accounts. The advisor is supposed to be writing up a plan and wants to talk again in a few days to show me how they can improve my diversification by getting out of the total market index. I have a feeling he's going to try to sell me on an idea of complicating my investing to chase returns. He says I've got too much money in tech stocks because I'm in the total market index. What do you think? Is there a point at which your net worth is too high to use a simple investing approach? Or should I stick with Warren Buffett's advice and keep the majority of my money in a total market index? Thanks for your help. 
Andy, this is a great question, man. And I, I, I think it's a question that a lot of people in your position start to kind of ask. Once you've been doing kind of the tried and true method of setting money aside in those tax advantage retirement accounts, once it builds up to feeling like it's critical mass, you're like, wait a second, do I need to shake things up? So we'll kind of get to our thoughts on that. But I just wanted to first say that, yeah, personal capital has become empower. I think it's been for a little while now, maybe even for a couple of years. But it's a and it's a great site for keeping track of your net worth. But if you've got a high enough net worth, the truth is they might they might pester you for a call in an effort to get you on board as a client. So that is maybe one of the downsides. I think typically they're targeting people with a net worth uh, or with investable assets of more than $100,000. And it might make sense for some people to take that phone call. Uh, but of course, we're partial, at least for a lot of folks, to the DIY approach. It's not that financial advisors are harmful. And let's be honest, the DIY approach has taken you quite a long way. Yeah, what's funny is the fact that the financial advisor is addressing the fact that, oh, hey, you've got a lot of money here now, as opposed to like where he is within his investment journey. Because yeah. like, and that makes more sense in my mind than just like, oh, you've got a lot of money now. And then I just see him with like dollar signs in his eyes thinking like, I see some opportunity here for yeah. me in my company as opposed to what is or isn't in your best interest. Yeah, before he starts recommending things, the ideal thing would be for him to understand where you're at, like when you're planning to retire, what your goals are um, before he's like starts recommending funds. Exactly. Yeah. But should you actually uh, switch things up now, right? Like, Should you opt for even more diversity? Is a total stock market index fund a bad move once you've reached a certain net worth? Uh, and I really love this question, Andy, because there is a kernel of truth here, but it's a pretty small one. Uh, and you mentioned Warren Buffett, right? And he said that if he passed on, that he would be more than comfortable with maybe his current wife or maybe a previous wife, uh, but with her being basically fully invested simply within the S&P 500, yeah. specifically VU, that ETF. I think he said 90%, maybe the other 10% is cash. I'm not, I don't remember what He's the other like, was, but stick with the stick with the S&P. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but a target, Keep it uh, a total stock market fund is an incredibly similar fund. It's, it's dang near the same thing. And so, that being said, the short answer, if it's good enough for Warren Buffett, who's he's basically the GOAT, uh, it is good enough for us. Yes, but it goes beyond just the Warren Buffett endorsement, right? Because, yeah, he's brilliant, but we don't want to just do what he says mindlessly without thinking about it. The truth is, if you're in the wealth building phase of your life, we think that you're diversified enough, Andy, right? And that the two biggest things you should be concerned with are how much you're contributing and then keeping fees low. You're, you're doing both. <laughs> You've contributed a significant amount of money to your retirement accounts, uh, and you're also being really cautious about the amount of money you're, you're forking over in fees. But beyond that, Right? If you have questions about your investments or you want to dive into nerdier investing conversations with a pro, that's understandable. Financial advisors aren't uh, bad as an ilk or anything like that. You might actually want to turn to a financial planner in this scenario, but I would suggest turning to one who only serves up advice. So there are a couple places you could turn. There's XY Planning Network. We've talked about that before. There's a there's a cool newer site called Hello Nectarine started by uh, our friend Jeremy over at the Personal Finance Club. And so this this person at Empower, they might have some great suggestions, but they might also be needlessly trying to complicate something that's worked just fine for you. And so what I love about that Hello Nectarine model, by the way, is that you pay, you're paying 150 bucks for an hour of someone's time. You're paying for their uh, opinion as they look over your financial situation. And so I guess when it comes down to it, we would say simplicity is a feature, not a bug, right? It's massively underrated. And, and folks who want to come in and complicate things, they're often trying to sell you something. So at least if you're going to hire someone to help you assess the situation, make sure that incentives are aligned 
aligned and that they don't benefit by complicating your situation exactly. more. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Okay. And so back to, I kind of mentioned a, a kernel of truth. Here's the thing. Like there's no need to shake things up, but there are two things that you might want to keep in mind that you might want to consider. Uh, and first a correction, or if the, the market enters a, a bear market, basically that's going to feel more painful now, given the size of your portfolio. So for instance, like 20% drop in the market when you've only got $20,000 invested, uh, that's not a ton of money. But a 20% drop when you've got three quarters of a million dollars, well, that's a $150,000 decrease. That's what we saw <laughs> last year in 2022. Yeah, and if you're going to be puking in the toilet when that happens, then you might want to reassess things, right? Yeah. And so like, think back to how it is that you responded when we've seen some dramatic declines in the market. If you were able to stay the course, if you didn't have nightly indigestion, I think maybe you are going to be able to handle the roller coaster. But if you were tempted to sell, well, you might want to seek some more balance. You might want to see if uh, there's a way that you can reduce the amount of risk and volatility, volatility that you're exposed to. The biggest risk isn't that you're only invested in one fund. It is your own behavior within a potential downturn. Uh, so that's one thing. But then secondly, listen back to our episode with Paul Merriman. That was episode 734. But he is a huge advocate for adding some small cap value. And he thinks that over the years that that is going to outperform, <laughs> basically. So yeah. it's a way that you're going to be able to add some diversity. And I feel like saying that he is looking to time the market, Paul Merriman, that that might be an inaccurate statement. <laughs> uh, it doesn't give enough nuance to the discussion we had. So we do recommend for you to go back and listen to that one. But yeah. it's less about timing and more about like continual exposure to another asset class. Well, yeah, you know, he specifically is pointing at periods of time. So for like, the, I don't know, maybe it's the past two decades, the uh, sm uh, small cap value has not seen outsized performance compared to the S&P. But that maybe we're due for another period where we're going to see in increased returns. And so if that's worth keeping in mind. That is still a lot different than saying, uh, than say going after a specific company where you're like, oh, I, this company is going to completely blow the doors off of yeah. everybody else uh, in 2024. Or you need you need gold in your portfolio and you need REITs well, in exactly. your portfolio, right? And it's just like overly complicating things and slicing and dicing just because it makes the advisor feel better, where if you feel just fine about your asset allocation, and historically you should, um, then as long as, like you said, Matt, your behavior can can maintain that position, I think that's a, a good choice. So I think yeah. you can VT Sachs, you can VU, you can VTI, you can chill, right? Like there's no need <laughs> to go beyond that if you feel comfortable with your holdings. And again, if you want the advice, just make sure you're getting unbiased advice, not someone who stands to benefit and make ridiculous sums of money makes you paying for that advice on an hourly basis to me makes the most sense from an incentive standpoint yeah so find yeah. someone you trust in that regard and andy one one other thing too like joel mentioned that if you are in the wealth building phase then we think that you're basically that you're set that you're good you're diversified enough we're assuming that that's the stage of life that you're in as well because if that's not the case if you are in more of a drawdown phase of life well that uh, volatility is going to make a pretty big impact because guess what? When there was volatility before, it's no big deal because you're buying the market on sale. You're, yeah. you're, <laughs> you're going to see your net worth grow even more. But as you are having to rely more on those investments to live off of, that does change the game. So we, we certainly we certainly understand that. And so, again, we don't have this information. We don't know how old you are. We don't know at what stage of your life that you're in. But in that case, I think having a, like a little bit of additional income is a way to reduce those sequence of returns risk, where if the market does tank immediately as you're needing to access some of those funds, okay, well, you don't, maybe we don't draw on those on that retirement portfolio quite as much because you have the option to do a little bit of work, maybe work that you 
love more than the job that you used to have. And certainly it pays less, but guess what? It gives you a whole lot of flexibility when it comes to how it is that you treat your investments. Yeah. hundred percent stock exposure is different when you're 80 versus when you're 40. Mm -hmm. it, it, but again, it, it comes down even less than age and more about life stage and when you need to actually access those funds. So that's a good point, Matt. All right, let's get to our next question for this episode. This one comes from a listener. He just got an awesome new job. Hi, Matt and Joel. This is Drew from St. Charles, Illinois. I recently accepted a new job that will increase my salary by more than 20%. My annual bonus with my current company is 15%, and with my new employer, it will increase to somewhere between 25 and 40%. It's my intention to pocket these extra dollars and put them into investments or help pay off our mortgage early. My wife and I are currently saving approximately 33% of our income, maxing out both our Roth IRAs, and I'm on track to max out my 401k, as well as maxing out an HSA. Our mortgage has approximately $170,000 left with a 2.65% interest rate. My question is that my employer is 100% employee owned. As part of my compensation package, they do an annual employee stock ownership payout that is equivalent to 10 to 11% of my base pay and bonus. These funds are then used to purchase employee stock that is put into an account under my name. I cannot access these funds until I end my employment. How do you recommend I handle these employee stock owned dollars? Do I ignore that they exist and almost treat them like social security that we're all a little uncertain is gonna come? Or do I factor them into my retirement plan? Any insight you can provide would be appreciated. All right, Drew. Before we get to any insight that we might have for you, first, we want to congratulate you specifically on that new job. But then that killer salary increase, man, the bonus uh, that you will be eligible for. On top of that, you're maxing out your 401k, your HSA, your Roths. Obviously, that's right up our alley. It's like the holy trinity of investment accounts He's right there. doing it all. And then on top of that, your mortgage really isn't a high priority given how incredibly low the interest rate is. I think he said he's at 2.65%, just like we were just talking about with uh, with Joe's question that should not be a priority. I feel like I get more jealous of people who say they've got an uber low mortgage rate than almost <laughs> anything else. It's like, if you could tell me- Somehow you're able to lock that in. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't you care about rights. your possessions. I care about your low mortgage rate. That's the, that's the thing that makes me salivate. Yeah. And this is more of a discussion about optimizing like, I'm not worried about Drew just like completely blowing that money. Yeah. He's trying to figure out how best to allocate that money. Yeah. And we didn't really touch on this when we were talking about uh, the velocity banking and paying off your mortgage early. But Drew, like if that, if it's a goal of yours, like a personal goal, if you know from a financial standpoint, it doesn't really make sense to go ahead and pay off that mortgage. But if for you personally, you want to have a paid off house, yeah, that is totally fine. But if you're looking at it from more of a, through a financial filter and you're looking for the best way to... Grow your net worth and to do smart things with the money. We would say to not pay down that mortgage. Keep yeah. that 2.65% mortgage around. All comes down to what you're optimizing for. If you're optimizing for exactly. peace of mind, pay the mortgage down. Like, why not? Uh, but if you're optimizing for, like, net worth over time, then leave the mortgage intact. And, and let's get to the specifics on the ESOP plan that you mentioned. These are cool because they're just another way of rewarding employees, right? It's basically like a, if we succeed, you succeed approach, which I think is... I think it's great, and I think it can add employee buy-in, and it can help create a culture at the company that can be really, like, really wonderful. So I get why a company would want to pay their employees, at least in part, right, via 
uh, in ESOP. And it sounds like this is really just icing on the cake, right? Because you're well compensated in every other area. It's not like you're relying on this or you're banking on this to to make you financially whole at some point in the future. So I do think that you should think of this as just a bonus. They'll exactly. get to hopefully tap someday. But banking on it being like a massive chunk of retirement income is an approach that I wouldn't take. And it doesn't sound like you're taking it exactly. based, based on how seriously you're taking investing in all of those other tax advantaged accounts that you have access to. Yeah, we're, we're fairly conservative fellows by nature. <laughs> we're not trying to count our, our chickens before they hatch or anything. Uh, and hopefully your company is firing on all cylinders and that employee stock ownership plan it turns out to be a juggernaut, right? Like where it's able to add a massive chunk of money to your already robust retirement war chest. Uh, it really might. But I also wouldn't take the foot off the pedal where you would might be tempted into projecting that that ESOP is going to return S&P 500 level results uh, where it's going to eliminate some of your need to save. It might outperform, but I would just consider that gravy uh, as opposed to assuming and, and needing those additional ESOP dollars to pull a lot of weight within your retirement planning. Yeah. And again, that's assuming too that that your company is going to continue doing well. I don't. I want to make sure that you haven't like drunk the Kool Aid and g- where you're th- going all in because even as good of a company you think you might be uh, being hired by, you never know. What's going to happen? Like you've got the obvious scams with like Enron and things like that. But there's last year, there's a whole lot of companies that filed for bankruptcy, like companies that folks were thinking, oh, man, like we work, you know, yeah. <laughs> or like uh, what's another one? Silicon like, Valley Bank, uh, <laughs> like Smile, Smile Club Direct Smile or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like there, folks were thinking these are going to change the way that com- this industry does business. And you know what? It turns out that they didn't. And so or even something like Zoom, where the stock is just like uh, not yeah. doing nearly as well as it was during the height of the pandemic. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just important to keep that in mind. You don't necessarily want to put it all your eggs in the same basket. Yeah, and, and that's another egg metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> that's an important caveat, I think, for anybody who has any sort of investment tied up in the place where they get their paycheck. That is putting a, a lot of onus on your employer to deliver results. And that's a scary place to be in. Like you already, you're dependent on that paycheck, like to to pay the bills, right? To pay the mortgage. And if you're also dependent on the success of that employer to boost your retirement account, that's a scary place to be. So we would say like you want to diversify, in fact, away typically from having any sort of investment in the company that you work for. That'll put you in a much less risky position. And again, Drew, it sounds like this is how exactly how you're treating this, right? You you you've got more money coming in every month and you're you're maxing out the most important retirement plans that you have at your disposal. I would say this, like you might want to consider opening up a taxable brokerage account to put at least some of those bigger bonuses into, but really you're well on your way to achieving greater levels of financial independence in your life on a pretty quick scale. But I also just don't necessarily want to pressure you into doing more e- either because you're saving like what? I think he said a third of his income. Yes, he's crushing it. Yeah. He's doing a really, really so good I job. So wouldn't, I wouldn't even necessarily say, oh, you've got to invest more. You've got to open up the taxable brokerage account. you got to do this and that. I don't necessarily want to heat more on your plate because you're already doing a lot. Exactly. So you know, whether or not you want to do more really should depend on the goals that you've got for your medium and long-term future. Don't feel compelled to add even more fuel to the fire unless like you're really keen on that because and that matches like your your timeline for reaching full financial independence or anything like that yeah. but maybe you can just kind of enjoy some of those dollars too huh? dude i think that that's exactly i mean especially being at the beginning of the year we haven't gotten too far into the year so you can yeah. still sit down do some dreaming uh and figure out maybe some other ways that you could this is going to be a more he- hedonistic exercise <laughs> but maybe it's travel maybe you've never done a whole lot of travel and you've always wanted to go to new zealand you've always wanted to see where Frodo 
and Bilbo Baggins grew up. <laughs> um, and Matt, so, I, do I, have to, I hate to break this to you. They're not real people. <laughs> maybe that's a goal of yours. Or maybe you just want to go to the beach, right? It doesn't have to be some like far across the world adventurous sort of vacation. Or maybe you want to pay a quarter million dollars to go on a virgin galactic trip into space. I don't know. <laughs> and if even us saying these things and you're kind of like, yeah, guys, I don't want to do any of that. Well, maybe it's worth thinking through some different ways that you could potentially give that money away. But I think dreaming big and trying to identify some ways that you could really do something awesome with that money could, could go a really long ways. And it sounds like you've got more of an ability to do that given this recent uh, hire, given this promotion. And so, Drew, good work, and let us know what you end up doing. (laughs) Uh, But, Joel, we've got more to get to during this episode. We're going to talk specifically what to do if you find yourself in a car lease. We'll get to that and more right after this. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pumped for that but sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, Or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. All right, we're back. Now we've got more listener questions to get to. And you just mentioned Carly's. Uh, and at the beginning of the episode, Joe mentioned Cardinal Sins. 
leasing a car might be a cardinal sin in the personal finance world. Mm, yeah. Pretty darn close to We're it. We're not a big fan yeah. of leasing vehicles well, at okay, all. Let's say someone finally realizes that and they want to get out of it. That's just the situation that listener Anthony finds himself in. This is our Facebook question of the week. And he says, found this podcast about a year ago. It's been amazing thus far. Established our budget and created a debt payoff plan with currently $15,000 paid off since starting. Congrats on that, by the way, Anthony. He says, there is one financial mistake that I have made before starting this lifestyle change that kills me every time I look at it. And that is my wife's vehicle that we are currently leasing. The vehicle's great. It's safe. Runs great. And the perfect size for our family. Obviously, the least part of it is what kills me. Does anyone have any advice on getting out of a lease or how to reduce the pain of a lease once it ends? We will 100% be over the allowed mileage once this lease ends, by the way. Thanks for any advice. All right. Well, first of all, congrats on the financial progress you've made, Anthony. Uh, That budget and that payoff plan are helping you out in a major way, but you've also done the hard work of actually getting after it and like actually doing it, (laughs) right? Because the tenets of personal finance, they're fairly simple. That being said, there are a lot of important supporting details and there's a lot of behavioral and hard work of actually executing that plan. Oh, yeah. Okay. So one thing that we don't talk about. Easier to think about it than to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can say that like, oh, yeah, this is. I love daydreaming, but (laughs) it doesn't really do much for me. I was going to use the overused metaphor of of health, right? Like exercise. You know that that's good for you, but it's hard to to do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I like to daydream about lifting weights. (laughs) Speaking of New Year's resolutions. Uh, but Anthony, one thing that we don't talk about enough on the show is the downsides of leasing a car. You're living those downsides out right now. In our book, the only reason someone should ever consider leasing a car is if they have plenty of money on hand, which basically means that they are well into money gear number seven. Uh, and specifically, if this is a luxury that they want to partake in, if they want to basically always have the latest and greatest vehicle because that is their craft beer equivalent. If this is their avocado toast, just knowing it costs a whole lot more than the avocado toast. Yeah, just add like four zeros to it or whatever. <laughs> Leasing a car, it's basically never a good financial move. But we basically put it in the category of owning a second home. It can be a lifestyle choice that some folks prefer. It's something that you choose, but just know that it doesn't make sense from a financial standpoint. Yeah, and it just takes a long, long time to get there. And leasing a car is actually even probably worse than owning a second home, because that second home is likely going to appreciate yeah, value. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. The, the leasing a car, that car is going to example, sorry. depreciate in value. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, I think it's, I see why you put them in the same camp, but I also think they even those are different, and leasing a car is probably worse. Although I want to point out, some folks who had their leases come up as car prices were rising rapidly, they actually found that they were in a decent position, right, to buy that car for far less than it was worth. That was kind of an interesting anomaly of like rapidly rising car prices, Matt. But that was the exception, not the rule, right? That that is. Don't expect that to happen again. No, we're like, already. That started a couple of years ago. Yes, that is over. Yes, <laughs> car prices, both new and used, are coming down, and so people are unlikely to find themselves in that same situation year after year on end. And so, should you try and get out of this lease? We would say that depends on how much time you have left on the lease itself and whether or not you can find someone who's willing to assume the payments to kind of basically take over that lease. Mm -hmm. And the truth is you might not be able to, but it's worth checking on a site like Swap a Lease or Lease Trader. Those are the the two biggest sites in that industry. And if if you were to take it back to the dealership, let's say, you know, an early lease termination fee, I would check and see, check it, look at the, the details of the contract. 
but in all likelihood, it's going to be prohibitively expensive. The only real way to get rid of a lease is to find a third party, a normal human being who says, hey, guess what? I want a lease on that car. I'll take over your payments. I didn't want to go to the dealership and get a three-year lease myself, but the last 15 months of yours, yeah, I'll take it. That's really the only way that we know of that you can successfully get out of a lease that you've signed up for. From a financial standpoint, it seems like the clearest, best way of doing it. But even then, you can still be on the hook for the payments if that person doesn't make the payments. Or sometimes... The, you're required to be a co-signer on the insurance payments for that lease in case they don't make their insurance payments. So, <laughs> so yeah. There are a lot of downsides to make sure that you're aware that of all, be the, scary too, yeah. all the fine print there. I Yeah, I hate the idea of tying myself to somebody else financially who you don't I know. basically don't know <laughs> <laughs> at all. But yeah, you know that person does legally become responsible for making the rest of those payments. It could be a win-win. Uh, but I think the other smart move, given where things currently stand, would be to continue driving that car. You did say that it's a good vehicle for your family, right? Like that matters a lot. And you might even want to buy it as your lease comes to an end. But at that point, it's going to be all about the math. Uh, Specifically, is the residual value of the car reasonable? Or can you buy a similar ride for much, much less money? Like if you're able to save thousands of dollars by going with something else, well, that's probably the direction you want to go. The fact that you're going to owe money for that excess mileage, it sounds like that, you know, maybe you've already gone over the allotted amount already. Well, that makes it even more likely that (laughs) buying the car will be Mm -hmm. the top option. Uh, But if the car is in solid shape, if it's got few mechanical issues and it's a solid deal given the market, then, you know, you might be able to make some lemonade out of lemons, out of that previous decision that you uh, that you've made. But then here's what's key. Continue to drive that car for years to come. Don't be tempted into rolling that lease into another lease. Don't look at the latest and greatest models. We want you to hang on to that thing because you have now seen the light and leasing is no longer an option. Or you don't want (laughs) to buy the lease out, have that car, drive it for another year, and then be like, wait a second. We should upgrade. We should get something. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't buy into that 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 cycle that says at fifty thousand miles your car is undrivable or something like that. Like, my, it, it's just it's ludicrous. Like, try to get two hundred k out of that thing, man. Yeah. Um, whatever you can do hey, to extend the life of whatever yep. car you're driving is going to make a massive difference. And and also, I think the other thing, Matt, I just want to stress to Anthony here is to not beat yourself up. He is learning. He is making changes. Like, he is moving in the right direction. And so, it's really easy to look back and say, "I'm such an idiot." Like three years ago, before I was into <laughs> personal finance like i can't believe i would do something like that but now you know better and now you're not going to do that again and so i guess i just wouldn't beat up pre-redeemed anthony for now redeemed anthony (laughs) like you you're going in the right direction man you're asking the right questions you're making the the right moves and like you said matt you're making lemonade out of lemons i think on this one if if you just yeah handle handle it right from here on out yeah and and a a potential like relational angle as well you might maybe i'm reading between the lines a little too much here but he's kind of mentioned too that it's his wife's car i'm curious if you would feel the same way if it was his car (laughs) (laughs) if it was his daily driver and he's just like no 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 this thing's awesome Instead, he's just like, man, my wife's driving this thing. (laughs) So that's just something you need to keep in mind as well. The relational (laughs) dynamics behind the decisions that we make. Uh, Let's get to one more. This one's from Paula. She says, hey, everyone, does anyone use GoHenry or similar apps with their kids? Would love to hear some thoughts before setting up an account. We have a 10-year-old son who has a small amount of cash and some money and savings at our local credit union. We would love to start having him learn some good money habits early. All right. Paula is all about teaching that next generation how to handle their handle their money I well. I guess she's already taught her son about money and yeah. that this app can maybe help reinforce like some of the things they're already talking about, some of the habits that she's already instituted. He's got a savings account at the credit union, so I know this 10-year-old is... Sounds like she's already on the right path. Yeah, his personal sure. f- finance education is beyond what 
most 10 year olds out there have already received that is true but what about these digital products like are they are they the best are they going to be helpful are they going to reinforce some of the things you've been teaching or maybe upend them i guess i would i would say matt that the digital products like go henry and Greenlight is another one that's kind of in the same vein they're pretty cool we love what they're doing and we've used go henry ourselves right mm-hmm. um but Gave it a shot. But we're not actually using them currently. <laughs> that's true. And that's largely because I would say, and I don't know about you, because the age of our kids, the age of my kids, uh, we tried the debit card thing, but we, I, I realized pretty quickly the tangible need for physical dollars to actually really drive home some of the points that we were discussing. And I think that's going to change, right, as they grow older. Like this, this makes more and more sense mm-hmm. when kids become teenagers. But at the time when we were doing this, they were like eight and six. And it was just too, <laughs> the dots weren't connecting in the same way as when we started putting physical dollars in their hands. So we've gone to the cash envelope method, three different categories, spending, saving, and giving. It's old school, but it works. And I think especially when you're trying to reinforce lessons, if it's like, oh, these lessons they've already taken and my kid is like firmly planted in the digital space, he's, you know, I don't know, buying video game stuff on his debit card or whatever. Maybe it makes sense if they're ready to handle that and then you have oversight. But for younger kids in particular, I think cash... It's just the easiest form to help kind of connect the dots and, and help them to understand the value of a dollar. Yeah, especially when kids are younger. You don't need digital tools, I think, to hammer home the most important financial lessons. And the biggest one being is making that connection, I think, between, hey, if you want to have some spending money, if you want some cash, you got to work for it. It's not something that comes to you automatically just because you exist. Got to get those chores done. <laughs> exactly. Fold the laundry or I'm not, else. I'm not interested in putting my kids on universal basic income <laughs> because that's not how the world works. Yeah. Now, that being said, if that's something our country implements. Maybe a decent political policy. Then uh, maybe I will start implementing that because it mirrors the real world. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do is, is make sure that they are prepared for the real world. But those, as the kids get older, I think they could make a lot of sense. Uh, like you said, Joel, as they are aging up into those teen years as they're off kind of on their own, maybe making some purchases on their own. Uh, But just know that they're going to cost you some money that they're not free. I think green lights, five bucks. You can have multiple kids. Uh, Go Henry. They've got a slightly slicker interface, I think, and some some different options. But I think it's like five dollars per kid. Uh, But if you want a free digital option that has fewer features, however, uh, but it's free. Check out Missoula. Uh, it's a more of like a digital wallet type. Uh, they don't go the the debit card route, um, but we like what they've done as well. It's a it's a good option. I'm glad they exist. Glad there's multiple options out there for folks yeah. if they're trying to figure out what's going to work best for their family. But Paula, I love where your heart is at. You're teaching your son how it is that he can handle his money well. And honestly, I was going to ask you earlier on, but. You kept going, <laughs> but do you have? Have you opened any uh, like savings accounts for uh, for your oldest? No, I haven't yet. Yeah, no. we, we're, we're doing it all straight up with the envelope. Same, so. same thing. Yeah, we've just got all the cash. I mean, we just got like jars. We just got we got you got three jars. We got two jars, saving and spending, because all saving in is is deferred spending. Yeah, right. right? Well, so, we have giving too. Uh, but yeah, we've got saving and spending is oh, it's one, one jar. Okay, okay. It's the same thing in my mind, and then giving, which is. You know, it's kind of like not your money; it's, it's somebody else's. Yeah, but, uh, I do see a need though to start implementing some of these tools, and especially because like identifying the value of a dollar, like that's the first lesson. And I think the next one is to teach them that basically the longer that they save and invest, the more their money grows. And that's a difficult lesson to teach because I was doing that myself. I think we we talked about it yeah. maybe a couple weeks ago. I think it's actually I, easier I, to do it manually though, like you were doing. Well, because that, no, but that's the thing. Yes, you, they get to see, oh, it, it's growing, right? So there's more money, but who is it coming from? It's coming from you as opposed to it coming from the market. And so yeah. I've thought about that too, how I want, it, I want them to see it coming from 
someplace magical, yeah. <laughs> which is essentially almost you know what compounding interest is. It's just that with their limited funds, even with I a five percent yield, like they're, it, it's it not doesn't much. feel like much. Yeah, yeah. So that's the downside. So I'm still kind of conflicted between what I what I should do, whether I should juice those returns and pay it myself. But then I don't like the fact that they see it coming from me, and it feels like that they're on daddy's dole, right? As opposed to uh, it coming from coming from the market. You can so. you can always change change that later, but as long as you're connecting that that their money can make money when it sits there, I think that's that's the biggest overarching sort of theme that you want them to sure. comprehend, right? Yeah. So, yeah, who it's, um, who it comes from is possibly a smaller detail. Yeah. Molehill that I'm making into a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like it, and and Paula. So hopefully, yeah, m- maybe one of these digital apps is right for you. Maybe it's worth the five dollars a month because of the way your son interacts with money, and it gives you some oversight without having to kind of be doling out that cash every Sunday night at the dinner table, kind of like we do in our house. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's not. Maybe you're not quite ready for that, and maybe you can save yourself sixty bucks a year at the same time. But best of luck as you continue to teach your son about finances. And Matt, let's get back to the beer we had on this episode. By the way, for folks who are new to this podcast, Matt and I drink a beer on, uh, and I'm just saying it because like it's January 1st. There's yeah. a lot of people who are like, I want to get my money right. That's true. There might be some noobs out there. Yeah. Trying to find a new personal finance podcast. Well, we hope you stick around. We'd love to have you this year kind of in the How to Money community. And you should join the How to Money Facebook group, by the way, because there's a lot of great folks hanging out in there. But uh, Matt and I, we drink a craft beer every episode because we're all about spending money intentionally on things that matter to us while we're saving and investing for the future. And so the beer we had on this episode is called Remain Restless. It's a double IPA donated to the show actually by listener Rihanna. Matt, what were your thoughts on this one? It was super solid, man. So good. So well balanced. It's got everything you would expect out of a hazy New England style IPA. This is another one out of Pennsylvania. I didn't know there were so many great breweries. So uh, the other one that she had donated to the show, so the Evergreen beers, Evergreen Brewery, they're out of Pennsylvania as well. And it makes sense. That's in the Northeast, yeah. so I guess naturally it makes sense that they would be crushing it when it comes to the style, but yeah. really liked it. You, you dug yeah, it? Yeah, so I feel like uh, ini- the initial vibe you get with the with the sip is just kind of like a soft, a softness on the tongue, but then- Nice and pillowy. Yeah, but then on the back, it's like blooming for days. Like It's just like this continual hot punch to the back of my mouth, which was just- welcomed i loved it so this i this is one of the best ideas i've had in a while it's it's what you get with like a high quality new england style ipa as opposed to an older one that's dude that's one of the things i hate about some of the beers that sit on the shelves for months and months is that they just they go bad they do (laughs) essentially and they've got some of that flavor there but it does not have the depth and this one certainly had the complexity those deep waters man yeah Uh, (laughs) for sure most definitely yeah no freshness is key by the way if you're looking for for craft beer especially on the ipa front if you're looking for a great ipa even if it's like an awesome well-reviewed beer on untapped it doesn't matter like it could turn into trash if it's been on the shelf for like five six months that's true but uh rihanna thank you so much again for sending this one our way joel that's gonna be it for this episode we'll make sure to link to different resources that we mentioned during this episode up on the website money challenges that we talked about in the beginning yeah and you can find that at howtomoney.com that's our home on the web but buddy that's gonna be it for now until next time best friends out best friends out
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.